Blog Talk Radio. The Keys. Unlocking the doors to unlimited possibilities. Technologies for designing online classes and providing face-to-face and virtual technology training or help with computer programs, web design, and graphic arts. We also provide biography writing services for websites. For more information, give us a call at 631-399-0149. That's 631-399-0149. On Blog Talk Radio was brought to you by The Fluffs Present the Alphabet, now found in paperback, sporting a five-star rating on Amazon.com. This portion of the key was brought to us by Moon107.com. Moon 107, fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Moon 107 is an online retail store featuring women's and men's clothing and a gift shop. The women's shop features stylish tunics, suits and accessories and offers the well-dressed woman an outlet to find the perfect gift for self or for someone else. The men's shop offers classy French cuffed shirts for the well-dressed man. The gift shop offers organic skin, hair, bath accessories, and inspirational music imported from Africa, India, and Asia, as well as jewelry and accessories. Moon 107, fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Don't forget to visit moon107.com. Well, welcome. Welcome to our special broadcast with the Keys 107 Network. I'm your host, Sister Rafika, and we have a very, very special show in line for you today to help you get ready for preparing your 2012 taxes with an independent accountant based in New Orleans, Louisiana, who has taken a few moments out of Mardi Gras to sit and talk with us. His name is Mr. Ernest D. Kelly, and he is best known for starting over 5,500 individuals in 36 states and overseas, and also known for his initiative with doing your business in South Africa. So let's bring on... Mr. Kelly right now, so we won't hold things up because I know you're more than anxious to get started. Ernest, are you with us? Yes, I am. Thanks for having me, Rafika. 
Absolutely, and welcome to the Keys 107 Network. I'm glad to be here, and uh, uh, this filing season is a little different from uh, most with all of the fiscal cliff talk and all of that stuff, so uh, this this season is uh, going to be a challenge to a lot of your listeners. So we should just, just jump right into it. Um, I know that there's been a lot of talk that was the buzzword in the platform for the running candidates um, for this year's uh, presidential election here in the United States. And I want to know what has changed, if anything, in, in how we're filing, what are some of the advantages and disadvantages that we can look forward to? Well, I, I think despite of all of the talk, uh, you know, most of your listeners for 2012 won't find a whole lot of changes. I think that uh, the the people that are going to be affected most will probably be in 2013. But for 2012, I think the big thing to know is that uh, although that you're required to file by April 15th, uh, the IRS is still not accepting some some forms, some returns with some forms on them. And uh, for instance, only uh, or as uh, on the 14th of this month, if you have a return that has a college education credit on it, you cannot file it electronically until February the 14th. Mm. And they only accepted started accepting uh, returns with depreciation uh, on them uh, on the, the 10th. So, you know, so if nothing else, it's been a headache in terms of uh, um, those people who are wanting to file early, Has a lot of them have not been able to do so. But I think in terms of the overall, uh, the system is pretty much like it was in 2011 in terms of what you can take and what you can't take. And I'll go over some of those things, uh, the highlights for 2012. I think, uh, you know, for the most part, it's too late to really do any planning. After December 31st, there's only a couple of things you can do to uh, maximize your refund or limit your liability, and one of them is is whether or not you contributed to an IRA or a retirement plan. Uh, you still have up until the time you file your return uh, to make that decision, and I think that um, uh, some of us can benefit in a number of ways by if you're in the position to do that. But I think in terms of trying to make ensure that you get a good return, and there are some basic things and basic information that are are generic or kind of in tune to getting the best results. And preparation is the the biggest key. And all too often, uh, we find that uh, the clients that are prepared uh, for the, uh, their visit with their accountant or their preparer. Uh, normally does best. And some of those things that you need to make sure that uh, in order to make sure you have a good visit or you uh, you give yourself the best chance to have the most accurate return prepared is um, making sure that you bring, one of the things is to make sure you bring all of your sources of income up to your accountant or to your preparer. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the other thing is you want to make sure that you uh, also bring, uh, if you have a mortgage, your mortgage and property taxes are, are fully deductible So, uh, in the case of where you're itemizing. So those things are essential 
and those are usually big-ticket items that uh, will help you uh, reduce your taxes. And also, uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk about uh, medical, co- the cost of medical insurance and also uh, medical services. Uh, keeping up those items are also could also reduce your taxes, your premiums that you pay either privately or through work. Uh, is part of that equation, along with all co-pays that you spend for medicine or doctor visits, uh, any dental bills that you incur, any vision bills that you incur, or even physical therapy that you're going through, and also along with the um, uh, mileage or the travel expenses associated with getting these services done. So those things are important, as well as uh, contributions to uh, uh, church or charitable organizations, and uh, those organizations have to be um, 501c3 or approved as uh, organizations by the Internal Revenue Service in order you to be able to deduct those uh, those contributions. Uh, also, I think in uh, terms of it, uh, you can also... Um, and you must, uh, one way or the other, whether or not you have gains or losses, if you have investments, if you sold stock or you sold your business or you sold any of your assets, you may have a gain or a loss. Some, All gains are taxable and some losses are, are taxable. Mm. Business losses are taxable, but personal losses such as uh, if you sell your home for a loss, for instance, you will not be able to deduct the loss on it. But if you had a rental property that you sold, you would. Uh, and uh, so there are distinct differences in terms of business and personal assets, but you must have had any in 2012. Uh, the other things I think, uh, one of the things that I think has been um, good for those people who maybe struggle with uh maintaining or keeping up with their uh, house notes or uh, falling behind with their mortgages. Uh, If you are in a position where you had to uh, let your house go, normally you would be held responsible for any portion of that debt that wasn't recovered by the lender. Uh, there's a program, uh, and thanks to the, uh, President Obama, I think, uh, has been real adamant about providing a mechanism where that doesn't hurt you or that doesn't scar you, and there's a process where you can get out of that responsibility of uh, being responsible for that difference on your tax return. And that's one of the things uh, I think is, uh, has been a real, uh, real helpful to a, a lot of uh, uh, the clients that we've seen. Uh, the other thing I think is important in terms of that and uh, with all of the uh, unstableness of the job market is they will also give you, let you write off expenses associated with looking for work. So job search expenses are also deductible and could help reduce your taxes uh, for the 2012 season. And 2012 also uh, saw... Um, People in the United States all over the country affected by natural disasters. Uh, natural disasters are once declared by the federal government as a natural disaster normally brings tax benefits in terms of following being able to recover losses generated by the storms or earthquakes or floods 
uh, that uh, some of you might have been subjected to. And uh, so this is uh, uh, definitely a way to uh, help you um, recover some of the uh, losses that you've had. Uh, but those the help the IRS's help is limited to any taxes that you have not received that you paid uh, in the last five years. And there's a process of filing, and you can initiate that those claims either on your 2012 taxes or even on your 2011 taxes. Uh, you would have that option. So those are a few of the things I think that you would look at. In addition to, uh, if you have any responsibility uh, at work and using your own car outside of going to the office, uh, they're also, and they're not reimbursed, uh, the government will allow you to write off uh, your your transportation expenses to the tune of uh, 55 and a half cents per mile. So that can also be very, very helpful uh, in trying to minimize uh, minimize your taxes. And for those of us who uh, uh, who work uh, out of the country and uh, have projects that they're working overseas, there are uh, some advantages and some exclusions and, and deductions that are also uh, applicable to reducing your income or being exempt from uh, federal taxation because of those uh, uh, investments that you are making overseas. So those are the things I think uh, would uh, uh, give you a chance to have a, a really accurate uh, return that really reflects your situation for 2012. Now, when you your first point was uh, bring all your sources of income, I know this is a question that um, was asked to me the other day. What what is the best way to bring the sources of income to an accountant? Do you need to go out and buy the expensive software? Are there alternatives? Is it just put receipts in the bag and hand them over? Well. You know, over the last 32 years, I've seen all of it. So, you know, uh, I think that uh, we have a phrase for it. It's uh, shoebox accounting. When people end with all of their stuff either in a shoebox or in a plastic bag and said, here you are, sort me out, do my tax. Uh, I think, you know, that's probably lends itself to probably the most expensive way to approach it. I think the best way to approach it, and it also lets your accountant know that you actually have some idea what your circumstances are, and you're not just trying to carry it all in your head. So some type of organization, usually the IRS wants accountants to have what we call a source document. So that would be the form of council checks, I mean your bank statements, uh, your, your uh, revenue register, uh, your 1099s, if all of your income is generated that way, has been documented. Uh, so those forms of uh, proof of income uh, are basically standard, but the Internal Revenue also says that uh, there's no one way to keep records, and so you, that's why you still have some people, uh, they haven't progressed past that putting everything all in one bag or one box in one corner. Uh, and then rounding it up at the end and bringing it to their accountant or their tax person and say, here you go, tell me how I've done. I wouldn't recommend that, 
But I think, you know, to answer your question, I think the uh, original source documents is your council checks, your check register, or your printouts from your software, such as Quicken and QuickBooks and some of the others that are out there that will help you with your organization. And some people uh, even go to the extent where they use, uh, they pay for everything through credit cards, and their credit card companies have a way to help them sort out and categorize all of their expenses and all of their revenue that has gone in or how would they do that. So those types of documents uh, would be helpful to an accountant to assure accuracy and to minimize your costs. And I know that banks today are doing some type of um, software where, or, or I should say um, accounting where they're allowing you to sort your your expenses in categories and you can just drag the image down to or the icon down to let's say if you went to a restaurant it would look like food and you just drag it down to food um and it also allows you to sort the printout so that would probably be a, a good a good way to hand in or to account for your expenses Absolutely, and I think with the advent of the debit card and all of that, it's basically made it uh, easier for banks to really go to that because they're trying to uh, control your whole spending experience uh, in terms of uh, their their profit or their business model now includes uh, fees for providing some of those services. And what, what some small businesses may find, it is cheaper to select one of those services and then to try to provide them services in-house. Mm. Well, you know, one thing that has bothered me when you talked about the original source documents is today um, when they give you the, and I'm saying they meaning merchants, when they give you the receipt, it's on this paper that it's like disappearing ink after a couple of months. You You, you can't even, you have no idea what the expense is. Yeah, and that's right. I think that that's actually uh, the it's no it's not the ink it's the paper it's on the thermal paper, and uh, and you're right it does age really quickly and fades away, and that's why it's important to have a process where you at least maintain your stuff at least on a monthly basis, in terms of try to come up and it also ensures that you know whether or not you're making money or not if you're in business. And uh, if you're just trying to do your personal tax return, it's probably not as much of a big deal as you keep up with all of those little type of receipts. But if you're in business, it's definitely important because if you there's a rule of thumb. If you spend money trying to make money, you probably can't deduct it. And uh, so if you're going to abide by that rule of thumb, I think that if you're going to wait until only touch these documents, once a year in December and your January and do April May documents may in fact uh, be hard to decipher or, or determine because of that uh, use of that thermal paper. So I would say that uh, you would definitely, if you're in business, you really need to give your your expenses and your your your, your financial predicament some attention prior to mm. the end of and uh, that would be a good uh, planning technique because the only way you're going to limit uh, your liability is to know where you stand. 
before. Well, you we also done. mentioned the um, copay, the medical copay. I don't think um, a lot of people knew that that copay was deductible. Yeah, the copay, in addition to the premiums uh, and prescription medicine, uh, all of those things are deductible in fairly easy ways. And I know a lot of my clients. Uh, they say, well, you know, I take two or three different prescriptions trying to keep everything. But the easy way is to go to your pharmacist at the end of the year, get a printout, go to your physicians, and also get a printout of the services they provided you at the end of the year. Uh, I think that that is a um, painless way to, to probably account for uh, those documents. Otherwise, it could be uh, really tedious as every time you go pick a prescription you You've got to keep the receipt of the bag it came in or the box it came in to try to remember and all of that. So those mm -hmm. are the base of increasing medical expenses. I'm, I'm finding that more and more people are getting some benefit out of that medical deduction. And I think the point you made about the job search, that probably hits home, seeing as how high our jobless rate is here in, in the United States that um, job search expenses are deductible, too. Right, and that is one that is a lot of times overlooked uh, by people that uh, have been unemployed, or they actually are employed, but they're still looking for a better better job. Mm -hmm. and having, is, there, uh, is there a threshold on going back to the um, bring all your sources of income? Is there a threshold, let's say, of... of of a particular category of expenses that you can deduct? Well, uh, no, I think, again, uh, I think in terms of uh, if, you in, if you're not in business for yourself, it's, uh, you're not going to be able to deduct things other than your medical and your contributions and your mortgage. And, uh, and if you've got uh, children under 13, your child care expenses is also a very important deduction. Uh, for you, so that's where most of your and your business-related stuff. Because if you're on a job and it requires you to wear uniforms, for instance, or special shoes, or if you're in construction and you have to provide safety equipment, those are the deductions that would be available to uh, individuals who are not in business for themselves. Uh, and but if you're in business for yourself, you really the rule of thumb is, again, it's a, a simple one. If, if I spent money trying to make money, I can deduct it. Then I have to figure out what category it goes in. And uh, so for certain businesses, your expenses, most businesses, your expenses are going to be the same month in and month out. And they may only require that you you have five or six account titles or categories that you lump it in. And you bring that to your accountant, and he may subdivide those titles again for you. And once he does that, you have an idea of how to prepare for him the following year, if you're comfortable with uh, the, his approach to handling your business. And you also began to talk about the natural disasters. When we we um, here on the East Coast, um, which is unlike you on, on the Gulf. We have had two major hits. We've had Hurricane Sandy and followed by um, this, this last uh, storm this weekend. And we have uh, coastal areas in um, the, the eastern, the, the Long Island um, part of New York 
where it was hit tremendously, shores were washed up and houses were destroyed. So you mentioned that there was some benefit in um, recovering losses through natural disasters. Is that based on insurance policies? or? Well, that's based on not having insurance. Oh. So, so, so what happens is in these type of disasters, and because, uh, you know, personally living through Katrina here in New Orleans, uh, what what ultimately happens, and particularly in an area like uh, where you are up in New York, is that you don't have those storms very often. So what happens is it ends up that a lot of people are underinsured because they haven't reviewed and updated their insurance policies for quite some time because no news is good news. So they haven't had a storm for 25 years, so they haven't looked at their insurance policy for 25 years. And all of a sudden, they realize that the house, the value of the house is appreciated, and also they realize that they have three times more contents than they had 15 years ago. So, you know, so when that storm comes, you know, what a lot of people found that they were underinsured. And then some people are what we call self-insured, that they allow the insurers to lapse or saying, I've had this, why well, keep paying these premiums, look like nothing's going to ever happen, I'm going to be in this house, and then something does happen. So the designation of disaster area lends itself to those things that are not covered by insurance. As a matter of fact, if you have insurance and choose not to do it, the government can choose not to allow your claim because it could have been covered by insurance. Or if FEMA reimburses you, uh, you would the uh, same thing. You could not turn around and write that loss off if you've been, been reimbursed for it. But uh, the type of things that the government normally does is, again, they suspend uh, the technicalities because there's a rule with the casualty losses that aren't declared disaster areas. Usually they have to exceed 10% of your adjusted gross income. Usually that's waived for disaster areas, and, there's, and normally there's some other things. And I think uh, the New York area is going to get... Uh, a lot of consideration for a lot of special things that are unique to that area. Uh, for Katrina, they kind of like rewrote the book on how to help people that were distressed by the storm and had lost property. Uh, they did a lot of things there that um, they tried there that they might not be doing with Sandy. But overall, uh, I think that uh, there is some benefit in making sure that uh, if you feel like or if you had losses that wasn't covered, there could be some benefit. Now, that benefit only comes if there's withholdings or that you have paid taxes uh, to the government, and now the government will say, we'll give you that money back through uh, following your taxes or your casualty loss that wasn't covered. Lose, uh, the uh, contents and the structural damages to, to property. And that could be cars, boats, planes, trains, whatever that was involved in that could also ultimately yield some benefit for you. Mm. Well, you also talked, touched on uh, mortgages, and you said um, if someone lost their home, I would, I would think, through um, 
not being able to pay their mortgage, you said that there's some benefit from the government in terms of a tax write-off if they weren't able to cover. Come on, Ernest. Yeah, that was... If they weren't able, if if the house wasn't sold for the, the, the property value and there was no profit made, is that the gauge? Well, they, actually, if if you allowed your house to go back, and this, and for instance, this is an example. Okay, if you allowed, you had a hundred thousand dollar house that you you bought, and it came to a point where you lost your job, you couldn't, pay, you can't afford to pay your mortgage again, and the uh, the seller or the mortgage company agreed to take. Back. So they'll issue you a statement saying, okay, we've taken this house back. And the fair market value of this house is um, 70000 and you owe 80000 on it. They could hold you responsible for that $10,000 of difference, and that 10000 would have to be put on your return. If that's your primary residence, the, gov- the, the IRS would re release you from that responsibility of having to include that $10,000 on your return if that's your mm. primary residence. Okay, that's been something that they have allowed for the last, uh, since 2010. Well, we're going to break for a very brief commercial, and I would like to uh, just state to thank you for to Gramps Morgan for allowing us to play uh, one of his new songs that's released on his uh, latest album, his second album called Dreams. So I didn't thank him in the beginning of the show, and I would be a bad host if I didn't say it now. So thank you, Gramps Morgan, for allowing the Keys 107 Network to use that song in our intro. So we'll be right back with Ernest Kelly talking about the essentials of filing your your 2012 taxes. This portion of the keys was brought to us by Rafika Consultants and Services, LLC. Rafika Consultants and Services, LLC is on the cutting edge of emerging technologies for designing online classes and providing face-to-face and virtual technology training or help with computer programs, web design, and graphic arts. We also provide biography writing services for websites. For more information, give us a call at 631-399-0149. That's 631-399-0149. This portion of the keys on Blog Talk Radio was brought to you by The Fluffs Present the Alphabet. Now found in paperback, sporting a five-star rating on Amazon.com. This portion of the key was brought to us by Moon107.com. Moon 107, fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Moon 107 is an online retail store featuring women's and men's clothing and a gift shop. The women's shop features stylish tunics, suits and accessories and offers the well-dressed woman an outlet to find the perfect gift for self or for someone else. The men's shop offers classy French cuffed shirts for the well-dressed man. The gift shop offers organic skin, hair, bath accessories, and inspiration. 
inspirational music imported from Africa, India, and Asia, as well as jewelry and accessories. Mode 107, fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Don't forget to visit Mode107.com. Well, we're back. We're back with Ernest Kelly, um, accountant based in New Orleans, Louisiana. And the call-in number is 213-943-3618. That's area code 213-943-3618. And you have to press the number one on your keypad to let us know that you have a question or comment to uh, pose to our special guest. And we're going to um, continue our conversation about filing your 2012 taxes with the Essential Tax Tips, a very special broadcast here on the Keys 107 Network. And, um, Ernest, you wanted to dive right into some information about business taxes, and let's go start with that. All right. Uh, uh, as far as uh, business concerned, that there's um, the, the how you structure is going to determine how you file. And what I mean by structure is your LLC or S-corporation or C-corporation or sole proprietorship. Those are your four basic uh, structures for business. And many of us are sole proprietors, and that means that there's no formal structure needed. You didn't have to go to the state to ask for permission to set it up and clear names and all of that. Uh, those business uh um, uh, activities have to be combined with your personal return that, that covers your dependents and your mortgage and those, some of the things we discussed earlier. And uh, so, and uh, and we also discussed the key to that. The key to uh, that is the records and the records. We talked about the income and the expenses. But also the very important expense in business is whether or not I have to buy any equipment, or office, play cases, or any of that. Those are assets of the company, and those aren't uh, you not supposed to expense them, but you can depreciate them. So in depreciating them, there is options available to you to treat them as expenses under what we call accelerated depreciation. Depreciation is one of the items that is uh, for the 2012 filing season that have delayed some people from filing, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, and the good thing about it, that form will be released, uh, has been released on the 10th. So those people who are waiting to file their business returns with depreciation on them, you now can start to file. And the other thing that I mentioned about uh, business expenses, that uh, there are some allowances. If you travel in business, it depends on where you're traveling to and you're gone for, off, away from home overnight, you can deduct your meals, uh, you can deduct your hotel stay, and you can deduct your entertainment. Uh, while you're on the road as well, in addition to you can, your transportation, if it's your personal vehicle, the easy way to do it is might be to uh, keep up with the number of miles that you're traveling and associated with that. And for 2012, you're allowed to write off 55 and a half cents a mile. Uh, very important versus the actual expenses you may incur. 
in uh, in transportation or travel. You say, well, I just bought a, a car, and uh, can I write that car off? The problem you would have it is if you're using that car for personal reasons, and that car is in your personal name and not in your business name, you would have to prorate those expenses on the uh, on the basis of how much use. Is it 50-50, 20-30, 80-20? You, you, so you have to make some type of determination. So an easier thing may be to keep up with the miles directly associated that imply that per cent, uh, that 55 and a half cents per mile to that. And it encompasses all of the things that are associated with the transportation. And also another very important uh, thing that can also uh, cause you to maybe have to consider prorating or getting it in the name of the businesses, your communications, your cell phone or your phones and your Internet and those types of things. And a lot of times there's some confusion with the internal revenue because, okay, I'm, I've got this business, but I'm using my Internet and my cell phone that's in my personal name. And so the, the IRS would say to you, that we can only allow you part of this expense because it's your personal stuff and your personal use stuff we can't deduct for business. So my advice to people in that position, and mostly sole proprietors are in that position, is to make sure that your phones uh, and those types of things are set up in the name of your business uh, uh, to a commercial line. To these days, it's not that much difference between the fees and it'll allow you to write off 100% of these certain expenses. So business-wise, I think that now, if you are, that's a sole proprietor. If you are an LLC or an S-Corp, normally your returns, uh, those two organizations, uh, those two types of structures are required to file information returns or returns where there's no taxes due as it relates to those returns themselves. But the income or or losses from those entities, the LLCs or the escort, uh, flows directly to your personal return. That's to be accounted for when you file your personal return. So those in those cases, um, you have to, you should be making plans to make sure that both are done uh, at the same time to ensure. Uh, that they are filed timely and uh, they uh, include uh, all of the information uh, from your LLC or your S-Corp is included on your personal return. If you have a C-Corp, which is a regular corporation, which under the four structures is the more complicated of, of the business structures and is also is the only one, well, the sole proprietorship has double taxation as well, but, and the C-Corp has double taxation because the C-Corp is an entity in its, on its own and is affected by what we call the corporate tax structure. So you won't have to put the profits or losses on your return unless you're getting a salary from the, the C-Corp or you're getting dividends from the C-Corp. Otherwise, the profits belong to the corporation. You know, you talked a little bit about those business taxes, and my mind was going a mile a minute. Because now, let's talk to talk to people who have home-based businesses. Um, 
for the in home terms base, of filing your taxes? How do you know what portion of your home-based business do you it, that's eligible? Well, if you have a home-based business and that's your primary business, and say, for instance, you would be allowed to say, well, I use my home to for my office, and also I use my garage to store my product in, or I have a room that I use to store my product in. The government will allow you to write off a percentage of your expenses associated with your business if that's your primary place of business. And, uh, and if you uh, if it's a home-based business and it's your primary source of uh, business, and you have to have profits to write, to get this write-off. But an approach to that would be, uh, for instance, I had say if you had a thousand square feet of living space. And you use 200 square feet of that space to have your office and have your storage space and your bathroom facilities. So that would equate to 20% of your total space. So the government would allow you to write off 20% of the expenses associated with that property as a business expense if there are profits to absorb that 20%. Uh, or to the extent it uh, reduces uh, your income to zero from that business. Hmm. Well, I was reading on the Internet the other day. Um, there are some companies that are trying to solicit small business um, loans to biz- to um, companies based, I think, on the East Coast and using the Sandy and the um, recent storm as, as a talking point. And they were saying that um, if you are a small business, home base, you have to be in business for a year in order for you to qualify. And then one of the other questions they've been asking is you have to have a credit rating with Dun and Bradstreet business credit rating. Does that have any impact on how you structure the business and how you structure the, the filing of the taxes? No, I think in terms of uh, those entities that are looking to make loans uh, uh, in the community are coming behind the heels of uh, uh, they may be trying to impact the market that uh, the gap between FEMA and SBA and the private sector in terms of uh, people needing help and maybe not having uh, excellent credit and some of these other things. But I think in terms of structure, um, you know, you definitely need to, at any way that you set up, a sole proprietorship, uh, LLC, S-Corp, or C-Corp, you need to go through the proper channels for someone to know and recognize you as being in business. And oftentimes, that means that locally you have to get a business permit in the community that you're trying to work in. And uh, if you're trying to work out of your home, there's a caveat there. Uh, some some neighborhoods aren't zoned for business, and you can't have a, a business in your home unless you are not going to see uh, clients or customers there. So there is uh, some, some things about getting that. And the IRS would use that to sell whether or not you were actually in business or not. So mm. in terms 
Uh, so you would need to be able to demonstrate that you've gone through whatever processes that you needed to go through to obtain the proper permits to have your business. And I think that also would be a key for lenders in terms of when you started the business and whether or not you got the kind of profile that they're looking for to lend to you. And uh, from that standpoint, and I think in terms of, you know, unfortunately with disaster comes all kinds of sharks in terms of trying to take advantage of uh, some people in a way that, um, um, you know, that they probably would not ordinarily do if they feel people are under duress and stress. So, so those types of agencies I, I can't really speak for. And uh, for Katrina down here, we didn't have as much of that as um, you had people trying to get uh, FEMA or SBA uh, to help them. And I know we had, uh, in this region, we had Hurricane Isaac in August, almost to the day that Katrina hit seven years ago. And um, the reality of it is, is that FEMA in, is only limited to what they can do. Uh, in the SBA, you have to qualify uh, to get help from them. And so if you don't have good credit, you're probably not going to get the assistance that you that you need or looking for. On the tax form, I believe it's a ten the ten forty form. There's an right. area. I uh, don't remember the number of the box right now, but I know that it's a a, a code DD. Right now, uh, that's a. Uh, uh, that's a, that's new this year, and that is the DD stands for the amount of uh, health insurance that the employer is paying or covering on behalf of that employee, and that's a new requirement uh, that uh, the IRS wants it listed by employers uh, whether or not they're covering the employee or not in terms of health insurance. Now, is, it, is that mandatory or is it optional? Mandatory for employees to put it there for 2013 and not 12. But okay. some, people, some people are doing it in 12. Mm-hmm. And right. that I has, didn't, go ahead. Yeah, that lends itself to the the phrase the Obamacare thing and the medical, the whole medical thing. And some people in 2013, for listeners that their income is going to exceed $400,000, uh, they may be hit because of the uh, their health care initiative, which is designed to get more people into the health care system in terms of the premium system, which there's a hope that it will ultimately drive costs down. Because the way our system is set up now is uh, if you're sick, you couldn't get insurance. You were excluded from getting insurance. They wouldn't cover you. And so now with uh, the phrase Obamacare, you actually can't be excluded from that process. And uh, so in terms of trying to get uh, more people into the process, employers are are Going to be, it's going to be pressure on them to provide insurance, but it's also an expense to uh, those businesses. And actually, 
is cheaper to give an employee a fringe benefit than it is to increase his salary by the same amount because you don't have to pay employment taxes. You don't have to match and save the employee and the employer money if it's a fringe benefit. So to me it makes a lot of sense uh, for employees to look at that. And for employers who have less than 50 employees, uh, there is uh, through the Obamacare thing, they will give employee, employers 35% of the premiums, up to 35% of the premiums they can recover uh, for employees that make under $50,000. Mm-hmm. I want to come back to the business tax for a moment and just touch on the um, businesses that are considering doing business overseas, which is you know, a, a very large component of your initiative with South Africa. And let's talk about that, and then let's go into preparing people with tips on getting ready for their, 2013, for their 2013 so that when they go on and apply this time next year, they're on point. And then we're going to be wrapping up because, believe it or not, it's almost an hour. Oh, time flies when you're having fun, I tell you. <laughs> uh, I think in terms of... Uh, uh, those of us who who have uh, uh, initiatives uh, overseas, um, the government will actually there are exclusions. Uh, depends on how long you uh, you spend overseas. That they will actually exclude the first ninety eight thousand dollars of income that is made. That you won't have to pay any taxes on it. Uh, in addition to housing allowance and other expenses that you incur overseas that you can exclude. Now, some of us may have to uh, also pay taxes to the country that they're doing business in. Our government will give you a tax credit for that against any taxes that are owed in the U.S. So you can uh, you can actually, there's an incentive in the some countries uh, that the government is pushing, that they are trying to uh, get that company help or get uh, opportunities for U.S. businessmen, that they have treaties with some certain com- uh, countries as well where there's no taxes if you do business with certain countries. And the IRS website has a list of those countries with treaties that they have tax treaties with. And a lot of times educators, entertainers, and athletes uh, uh, are allowed to uh, exclude their earnings while they they're in those countries, and uh, and vice versa. All right. Before we wrap up, I would like for you to just take some time to share with our audience about what you're doing with South Africa, or maybe I have to have you come back for another show to fully talk about that. But I, I think that's just a very exciting. Um, initiative that you've embarked on, um, besides the beauty of South Africa, the opportunity to do business in South Africa is there. Well, Rafika, as you know, that um, you know, Africa is really uh, itself is really the last economic frontier uh, that we have left in this world. Now that we've gone through Asia um, and the whole China thing, and even though Asia is still sizzling a little bit. Uh, Africa is really the, the 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 last economic frontier to be conquered, and I think what intrigues me about it most is uh, that uh, Africans have all of the political power uh, 
uh, to control their own destiny. And they've come to they've come into grips with the fact that uh, it's going to have to be Africans that make Africa work. And I think uh, it presents a unique uh, a unique opportunity for African Americans uh, to really get to the front of the line in terms of having their ideas and their proposals uh, really evaluated fairly in terms of being able to benefit from the prosperity that's going to come from Africa. And since 1997, I've been involved in a lot of initiatives. We've taken uh, nine business delegations through Africa and then involved in uh, several projects that uh, that are bearing fruit, and, uh, and I tell people all the time the, uh, that's in the construction sector, there's nowhere you're going to have a building boom like going on in Africa, nowhere else. Um, and I also think that uh, there is a, a yearning from Africa for help from the West, and particularly America. There's an infatuation with it, and I would encourage anybody that's uh, looking uh, to do business with Africa to, to, to do your homework. There are initiatives like the Agoa Initiative and some other initiatives that will uh, provide you with the support and, uh, and a lot of times funding mechanisms if you do your homework to really get an opportunity to, to create some wealth through being involved in a lot of those projects. And, uh, for instance, with housing, uh, Africa is, uh, South Africa is one of the few nations that are, that are involved in a housing initiative where if you're poor enough, they'll build you a house, which is economic catalyst to, uh, to that region for some time to come. Well, Ernest, we have about, um, I would say, five to seven more minutes left, and if you could go into giving us some tips on preparation to get ourselves together so when we file, file 2013 taxes, we're there, we're ready, we're not bringing that paper bag, maybe we have an organized shoe bag, <laughs> shoe box. All right, well, then the shoebox economy is going, going out. It's going out of style. So you want to, <laughs> the more organized you are, the better your results are going to be. And I would say to you that the five reasons to start planning for 2013, one, it normally takes about six months to help educate and take advantage of the opportunities. Uh, two, you may be able to... Um, get uh, some idea of what you, where you want to go with your income. And you got a chance to make your income the same money work harder. And I invite people in 2013, look at making sure you get involved in your uh, 401 saving plans if you have one at work, or create you an IRA, uh, the government will actually give you up to $2,000 more to do that. And you also, if you have an IRA, I mean a, a 401K, usually your companies will match a certain portion of whatever you put in. So that's like free money. Hmm. So, so in 2013, you're going to be faced with 
They're going to cut out a lot of things, like adoption expenses are going to go by the wayside. Uh, this 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 um, this thing on the housing where you're going to give if you foreclose, that's going to go away. So you're not going to have those things at your options for 13. So you start looking at 13, and the thing that I would do, if I'm looking at, uh, make sure that in December I pay my property taxes, make sure my mortgage is paid, and if it looks like my taxes are going to be lower in 14 than 13, I'll pay my January mortgage statement at, uh, payment at the, due on the 1st. I'll pay it on December 31st. So I got 13 payments in, in 13 instead of 12 because my taxes are going to be lower. Those little things can actually... Uh, create the racist edge for you, and if you got kids that are going to college or that, there's a very excellent uh, credit for that. And if you, even if they have to pay with lo uh, student loans and all that, you're eligible for some relief. Ernest, we had a caller on the line, and I thought they had a question for you, but they don't. They're just listening, so that's okay. All right. So, uh, but but uh, again, I think one thing about taxes, uh, the system is going to change from year to year. Uh, but the good thing about it is that uh, with uh, through the internet and shows like yours, uh, the information is is is, is available, readily available as it's ever been, and. Uh, and uh, you can welcome to visit my site at, uh, at www.ernestdkellyllc.com, and uh, we have all kinds of information that will help, help you navigate through uh, your approach to taxes and also structuring your businesses and your, and your uh, international businesses as well. Well, Ernest, I do want to thank you so very much for your time today. And just to repeat that website again, it's um, www.ernest, like Tom, D, like David, Kelly, K-E-L-L-Y-L-L-C.com. And do you want to give out the number to the business? Yes, it's um, area code 504-367-3554, and we have uh, business hours six days a week, Monday through Saturday, uh, from 8 a.m. Central Standard Time through 6 p.m. Central Standard Time through May 1st. Okay. Well, we're going to take you out of this segment of um, the Keys 107 Network and our special broadcast of the essential taxes, and we'll be back um, sometime next month with another special for you to help you get yourself prepared. So we're going to take you out with Gramps Morgan and that beautiful song, Dream. And I uh, thank you for your time, Ernest. Thank you for coming on and giving us those important tips. Thank you to our listening audience for taking some time to spend with us on your lunch break. Thank this you for having Rafika, me. signing right. out.
Come and lie. 